0: Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 152, and today I'm really, really excited to have a special guest on. His name is Ted Limas, and he's an attorney. And I wanted to have him on because he's not just an ordinary attorney. He's an attorney that has actually helped Amazon sellers get hijackers off of their listing. He's taken action against them and he's willing to come on and share what he's done and kind of what he's learned and kind of the ins and the outs of the Amazon, you know, platform as far as like, or the, the, I guess the support system that they have because he kind of classifies it as like they have their own little judge and jury there um, that you have to kind of go up against um, and he talks all about that and also what we can do to prevent but also what we can do if we need to take action uh, against them and uh, you know really really good good conversation so first off I got to give a little time out here if I sound a little out of breath uh, I apologize I just got inside uh, back inside that is from uh, from my home office here I was just getting ready to record and I heard uh, a truck pull up and guess who it was go ahead guess. DHL. <laughs> I had another shipment come in. I wasn't expecting it today. I thought it was going to come in tomorrow. And so I had to stop this, run outside. It's freezing outside, by the way. We're supposed to get snow and sleet today. And now I'm back in. I'm trying to get adapted back to this heat, trying to get back into the zone, if you will. So uh, I just wanted to, to say it just, you know, hey, that's the way that, that it goes, right? We got Brody sitting here, just kind of chilling, and he gets up and he starts barking, and then everything just gets out of sorts. So uh, the DHL came, delivered, they're gone. I'm back in the chair here. We're getting ready to rock and roll. All right, so I just wanted to uh, to put that little... Uh that, that, that little bit of information there for you, so you can kind of understand where I just was. Uh, okay, so before we do jump into this awesome interview, I wanted to give you a quick little reminder on a couple different things. Number one is if you are brand new to the podcast, welcome, by the way, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And I wanted to invite you to an upcoming workshop because in that workshop, I'm going to break down the five phases for picking a product, choosing a supplier pre-launching, launching, launching, promoting, all of that good stuff, the five phases to actually get a product launched on Amazon. And then I also answer live Q&A. So if you want to register for an upcoming workshop, head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash workshop. Once again, that's TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash workshop, and you can register for an upcoming workshop. Workshop there. Okay. Now, one little update I have here for you. Now, if you listen to episode 150, uh, that's where I talk about, you know, getting together with like minded people and you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with and all of that fun stuff. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely check that one out. It's a really, really good episode for really getting the mind set and the mind right and really training your mind to be successful. All right. But what I did also, Talk about is possibly doing a small little event, a really, really small intimate event, maybe 20, 25 people, where we get into a room. And we have hot seat sessions where you get up there and you get to uh, you know talk about your business or whatever stage you are in your business. And then we get to work through it and kind of have a breakthrough for you. So for that, what we're going to do is when we've officially said that we're going to do it now on May 1st, 2016, and this will be in Denver, Colorado. So if you want more information, I'm not going to spend too much time on it here. If you want more information about that and to hear about when the tickets do go on sale for that, head over to the amazing session Seller.com forward slash live. Again, that's the amazing seller.com forward slash live. And again, we're only going to be having about 20, 25, maybe 30 tops um, that we would have in this particular uh, small event. So if you did want to get uh, on that list, definitely head over and do that. This is something that was on my bucket list that I wanted to do for 2016. And I really, really want to be able to work really close like i always talk on my podcast about you know kind of like rubbing elbows and kind of really rolling up our sleeves and getting to work I really, really wanted to do this, and uh, hopefully, this is you know the first of many that we're going to be able to do, and maybe you know travel around to different cities and different states. And I, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like rambling here on this. because I'm really, really excited about it, and I can't wait to do this first one. So uh, yeah, you can say I'm uh, pretty excited. All right. So uh, okay, let's go ahead and listen to this awesome interview that I was able to do with Ted Limus, an attorney who is an expert at getting hijackers to go take a hike and get off of our listings. All right. So enjoy the interview. Hey, Ted, thank you so much for hanging out with the TAS group today, the community. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Scott. Great to be here. Yeah, and you know, I've been getting a lot of questions. I mean, throughout the you know the time that I've been podcasting, and uh, just from people that I'm associated with now, uh, one of the biggest things that I get asked about is you know listing hijacking and and kind of how we can protect ourselves and what does it mean. Like some people that are new, they're like, well, "What do? You, what does this mean? Like hijacking? That sounds so like really bad." And you know, it's just the the term that I think that the industry is kind of um, coined or they've put a label on it, but Uh, You know, we can talk exactly what it is in in detail, but really for people that are tuning in, it's really when you have someone come onto your listing that has a similar product and then starts to sell um, their product as yours. And and then from there, uh, you know, they're kind of capitalizing on all the hard work that you've done to get to that point. Um, so for anyone that's tuning in, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. And also, you know, we have an attorney on here that we can actually ask some questions uh, up to. So Ted, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on how you even got into, um, you know, the Amazon space as far as helping, um, you know, sellers.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Scott. I really kind of got into it by accident. Uh, my, I've been practicing law in Southern California for the last 25 years and until last year, was a, a partner in a uh, medium-sized firm that uh, we did civil litigation of all kinds. So, you know, that's going into court and uh, helping people with their business disputes and uh, and uh, filing lawsuits and defending lawsuits. Okay. And about five or six years ago, uh, one of my uh, garment industry clients. Uh, started having problems on Amazon. They noticed that their uh, their photographs their, that were copyrighted uh, were being used on Amazon without their consent. And uh, they also noticed, uh, you know, some of their their own customers who were sellers on Amazon were complaining that their listings were being hijacked by largely uh, Chinese uh, companies that were coming on as sellers and and undercutting their prices. Uh, very substantially. Mm. So um, uh, they asked if I could do something about that. And I thought, well, uh, I'm a lawyer. I'm supposed to come up with solutions for my clients. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I, I dove in and uh, quickly found out that uh, Amazon really has its own kind of legal system, its own little judicial system. Uh, with its own set of rules and uh, its own uh, uh, judge and jury and executioner, mm. so uh, so I became familiar with the rules and uh, started doing all the things that you're supposed to do, uh, and uh, and in the process though learned that that those were not always effective, uh, and so I started using. Uh, resources outside of Amazon when it was appropriate uh, to protect my clients uh, from these, what I call them, rogue sellers. Uh, But they're really just hijacking uh, my clients' listings.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's interesting. And I think, um, you know, you know, it's for people to understand this too. Like if you have like a major brand out there, I'm talking like, you know, fortune 500 company and they're out there, um, and they have, you know, products that we all know very, very well. And then you get a Chinese company or, or any company for that matter that comes in and they're going to sell a product on that listing and they're going to act as though it's the same, but it's really a counterfeit product, you know, in, in a sense. And what the reason why a major brand or even ourselves would be, Uh, you know, concerned about that is because we could have our products being sold to our customers technically with a you know product that's not really the real deal, right? It's not the real product, and that can make our brand look bad and start getting you know bad reviews and start getting customer complaints and all of that stuff. So just for people to understand, you know, yes, it's for big companies, and you kind of got brought into this by that, but it can happen to just us little guys that are doing private labeling and trying to create our own brand of unique products. Uh, so I think it's interesting how you got into this, but then now also seeing that it's something that's happening, you know, I don't want to say, you know, every single day to everyone, but it is happening more frequently. And there is different things that we can do to protect ourselves. But that's why I wanted to have you on is to really kind of pull back the curtain as far as what would you do? Now, now, what did you do in this in this circumstance where you had this company contact you and said, you know, this is what we could do now. Obviously, you got to get yourself caught up to speed, right? I mean, you got to kind of learn, like you said, and you learned kind of quickly that they have their own kind of, you know, judge and jury. So what what do you do the first thing in this, uh, you know, in this uh, venture now that you're going to try to help them?
1: Well, uh, it, it was a learning process, uh, but uh, I want to clarify that, that you know this wasn't really a major brand that, that initially contacted me. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you now that, uh, that uh, a lot of the, a lot of the of my new clients who are contacting me are people who started out small uh, and uh, they've had uh, one or two listings uh, do really well. And, uh, they find out all of a sudden that, um, you know, somebody's coming along and, and, and trying to hijack the listing. Oh, okay. So, um, it, uh, it affects, uh, the ma and pa businesses, uh, as well as the, the major corporations. Of course, the, the big brands can afford to hire people to do this on a professional basis, to monitor the Amazons and the other e-commerce sites. Okay. Uh, but, um, uh, a lot of my clients who are contacting me are, are folks like your listeners okay. who have taken action and have gone through the steps uh, and uh, and have, uh, have started to, to, to see some real success in their businesses and somebody wants to take that away from them. Okay, so, okay. So you um, you have
0: dealt with little guys like us, as I call them, you know, like, absolutely. okay, okay, good, good. And right. I mean, I, I knew you did, but I didn't know you did right in the beginning, but okay. So you got brought in by someone that started small, but then started seeing some really success and then they started getting hijacked and then they contacted you. And then that's where you started learning the process. So what's your, what was your first initial thing after you kind of you know, figured some of this stuff out or maybe what are the, what are some of the things you thought you needed to do, but you really, it didn't, it didn't really help or, you know, maybe lead us through that, you know, your first steps as, as a new, uh, person in, in this, where you're figuring this thing out as an attorney, that's kind of bringing your skills as an attorney to the Amazon space.
1: Sure. Um, so I, I have slowly developed, a you know, kind of a strategy that I, that I call sort of a ramp up strategy, and and that is, uh, start small uh, and then gradually work up the intensity uh, against the rogue sellers. But uh, uh, when I started out, uh, you know, I did what 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 a typical lawyer does, and that is, a, you know, prepare a a, a blood dripping uh, cease and desist letter, <laughs> with, you know, yeah. with the, yeah. all the threats and the citations to the to the Lanham act and the copyright act and all those things that, that we lawyers do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was finding that, that, that really didn't, uh, didn't have much impact. Um, especially because most of these rogue sellers were over in China and either there was a language barrier or they didn't care that some lawyer in Los Angeles was, was contacting them because, uh, they're in Hong Kong or, or Guangzhou and and they're just not gonna pay attention sure. to to a lawyer. They, they, we haven't it's no threat to them. Right, right. So uh, you need you know, I needed to find ways, develop ways that uh, that would get their attention. And uh, and of course the the first way to do that is to enlist Amazon's help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, if that didn't work, then uh, go outside of Amazon as, as much as possible and uh, and find creative ways uh, uh, to reach solutions for my clients.
0: OK. OK. So, I mean, no, bring us up to speed as far as like, OK, so your, your first step is is to, you know, obviously try the, the, the letter. Right. You, you try to send them a cease and desist and see if that works, if that doesn't work. Then obviously, then you go down the the rabbit hole of going through Amazon's process, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: it is kind of a rabbit hole. But uh, even before the cease and desist, Scott, I like to send a a private message uh, to the rogue seller because uh, that's easy to do. Okay, and I and I make it really polite. I I I, I have I have I, you know, I put away my sword and all the lawyerisms. And I make a real polite message, and I just sort of assume that, hey, maybe you're listing against my client's ASIN by accident.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh,
1: and uh, and uh, but here's here's what it is, and you're you're violating Amazon's rules, and uh, and I'm very polite, and I ask them to simply delist, and uh, but I do you know, identify myself as an attorney. Mm-hmm. I put my address on there. I, I, I'm hiding from no one. Right, right. And, and you can look me up on the California State Bar and, and confirm that I am, in fact, an attorney. And uh, and uh, you'd be surprised, but
0: uh, I'd say maybe half of the time that works. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, well, that's pretty good. You're saying like a 50% like that that kind of works being nice and kind of just putting in the subtle things of of what they're, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, breaking the, the the law, if you will, uh, and then just kind of like highlighting it. But then saying, I'd really appreciate it if you would just, you know, do the right thing and, and back off and, and delist.
1: Yeah. And and that would work for your listeners as well. Again, be polite, you know, take a civil tone mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, uh, Amazon. Uh, we're in Amazon's world, right? This is their sandbox. They make the rules, and we're just uh, playing it. Totally. And uh, and if you'll if you'll notice that all of your communications with Amazon, when when they communicate with us, it's always really civil. It's greetings from Amazon. Yes. Right? Yes. And and, uh, you know, I've even seen emails uh, from Amazon where they're where they're uh, banning somebody from Amazon for life. Right. Mm. You know, but it always it always begins with the same greetings from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it's always very friendly and cordial and civil. And uh, and whenever we're on Amazon, uh, uh, we should always take that tone, a civil tone. Be nice to each other. Be polite. Say please and say thank you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, when the rogue sellers do delist from my, from my clients uh, ASINs in response to a simple message from me, I always thank them, you know, or, or I give them a heads up and, and, and give them a, 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 good, uh, a good rating. So, um, you know, I want to reward the, the good behavior and, uh, and sometimes it is accidental that they, that they get on an ASIN, uh, that they're, they're new to Amazon and they just don't quite know what they're doing. They don't know what the rules are. And uh, and uh, so we're helping them to to learn the rules as well. Yeah,
0: no, I I, I love that. I mean, you know, I've always said that. I mean you know, when someone uh, does something uh, bad to you, right, even in, in the supermarket, right, your first thing should always be trying to politely uh, get that fixed. But, you know, then obviously when you get to that one point, you have to then either, you know, report it or whatever. But it's all I've always found that that, you know, niceness usually does win. Um, and as much as we're upset and, you know, we're we're thinking we're losing sales and all this stuff, you know, it again, I, I think you're going to get a response. I whether that's a yes or no, or maybe they're going to be nasty, whatever, but you will get a response. Um, Now, let me ask you, like, how long generally would you wait to hear back from them? And maybe like, how long do they usually reply?
1: Well, uh, remember, if we're dealing with uh, with sellers in China, that uh, they're on the other side of the world. So it's a different time zone. Uh, yes. And uh so you need to at least give them twenty-four hours.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. Uh, you know, I mean, um now is as, as far as, you know, um the ones that are located in, you know, Hong Kong or, you know, wherever, uh, you know, and let's say for example, because I've seen this happen where, you know, you'll have a hijacker come on and then they'll be able to sell or undercut you. Okay. So they're going to get the buy box, but they're not going to fulfill that for four to six weeks. Like, you know, and that's, that's, you know, going to hurt your listing really bad because then, you know, obviously people don't want to wait that long or they're going to be upset thinking that they're going to get it sooner than, than they're not. Is there, I mean, is there anything that can speed up the process if that doesn't work or, um, or maybe we can dig into that a little bit, you know, as we move forward here. But let's say, for example, that doesn't work. What's our next step in, in this process if uh, if we want to get this this hijacker off?
1: Well, um, after <clears throat> excuse me, after the after leaving them a polite message and uh, and if that doesn't work, uh, then I do send them a cease and desist. OK. Uh, and uh, and again, it's it's polite, it's civil, but it's um, uh, it's forceful as well. Okay. Uh, I want to be uh, I want to be clear uh, and, and identify exactly what what law or what Amazon rule uh, they have violated, and identify clearly what ASIN or ASINS uh, the violations are occurring on. Uh, I respectfully insist uh, that they comply with uh, Amazon's rules. Mm-hmm. And then I, I outline the consequences and I set a reasonable deadline, uh, usually, you know, 24 to 48 hours. OK, and it's got to be a reasonable deadline. Sure. sure. Um, and there are a couple things that, that I think your listeners should should know about uh, about using cease and desists uh, because I, I see them sort of indiscriminately used across Amazon and, and elsewhere. Uh, one thing would be never to pretend that you are from Amazon Mm. or that you're, or that you, uh, that, that Amazon has, has, uh, you know, asked you to contact, uh, the seller. Uh, another thing would be, don't say that you're an attorney Mm -hmm. if you are not, uh, impersonating a lawyer in, in the United States can have serious consequences. So never, never, never do that unless you actually are licensed. um, and then don't threaten consequences that you're not prepared to follow through with. Um, uh, I see people uh, saying that they're going to sue or that they're going to obtain uh, penalties or, or punitive damages. Well, you, you know, that's never going to happen, uh, at least not usually in the Amazon world. It, it's unlikely to happen. So don't threaten those kinds of consequences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then fourth would be never use an, an unprofessional tone. Uh, keep the letter civil and courteous. Um, I know we, we tend to get our emotions involved, sure. uh, when somebody is, is deliberately sabotaging our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to sort of step back and remove yourself from that, but keep a professional tone and, and keep it civil. Yeah, no, um, those
0: are great. Those are, those are really, really good, good points. And I think that they're. You know, they're doable. Right. I mean, you don't have to go out there and, yes. uh, you know, go right after them, uh, especially right off the bat. As much as we're upset, we're thinking, you know, we're losing money. We've got uh, I just had a guy actually contact me. Um, actually, it was through the Periscope I just did because I was mentioning I was having you on and uh, they were talking more about a patent more than a hijacker and, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, what happens and we don't have to answer this right now, but, you know, kind of like what happens, like someone just just contacted me and said I'm violating a patent and now I've got three thousand units. Right. Well, the same thing can happen if someone hijacks your listing and you've got three thousand units and now you're buried and you're not going to be able to offload those three thousand units. So it does become almost in a panic in, in a sense, uh, to where you want to get them off as quick as possible. And sometimes that means doing not the right things to try to get them off. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I did want to have you on, because I wanted I wanted to have really, I guess, a a plan that we can set in place if we wanted to try to do it ourselves before having to contact an attorney like yourself um, to, to try to do it where, you know, you can do it in a civil way, but also in, you know, a speedy way where we're not going to have to wait weeks um, because I know now let's move into kind of like, OK, let's say that that stuff doesn't work. You don't even get a response. Right. Well, now mm-hmm. we have to go into the whole, you know, Amazon method which, yeah. you know, maybe you can take us through as well. But I know part of that is buying the product before they're even going to talk to you and taking pictures to show that it's not in, you know, not in fact the same product.
1: Yeah, correct. So Amazon has its own, as you know, their, their own online forms that they want you to use yep. uh, to report copyright or trademark infringement or violations of their rules. And I'll I'll tell you from my experience that that Amazon is primarily, um, they're primarily primarily concerned with violations of their of their own rules. Okay, because because they the, the folks at, at Seller Performance, who by the way are 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 overworked, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the folks at Seller Performance who are dealing with thousands of of these kinds of reports uh, a day, they have been trained that as long as people are are uh, not violating the rules that amazon is not opening itself up to lawsuits and that is of primary concern sure. of course to amazon sure. um and so uh and so if you can uh, report things as violations of the rules as opposed to saying they're violating my trademark or, or my copyright now, most violations of the rules do involve a violation of trademark or, or copyright, but you don't have to really be familiar with the copyright or trademark laws. Uh, you should be familiar with, with Amazon's rules, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're you know planning on doing this uh, over the long term. You should be familiar with them. So use the online form. Um, uh, when you do it, you're going to see – you know the the form is going to walk you through what information uh, they want. You need to be specific as to what ASIN or ASINS you're reporting about, what the nature of the of the violation is. Uh, but you're going to see that there's a, an additional comments box, and it's the the one place where you can where you can get a little bit creative and where you can sort of add some some input. Uh huh. And so you know what I would recommend that your listeners do is just. Make a, a concise statement of of the rules violation. Again, don't don't go wandering off into copyright or trademark. Mm-hmm. You're not a lawyer. You're not really equipped to to be discussing those things anyway. But you should be able to 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 point to chapter and verse as to what the rules violation is. And typically, with a hijacking uh, seller, it's that the product uh, that they are selling. Does not exactly match the listing. Okay, um, so get right to the point in your first sentence and and tell them that what the rules violation is. Um, another thing is that seller performance does not want to hear about about uh, about your gripes with the rogue seller. Um, they, they don't want to go on and want you to go on and on about, uh, what the rogue seller said or did to you in, in, in the private messages. They don't want any of that. Just, just focus on the violation. Don't go on and on again, the, 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 folks at seller performance who are reviewing your, your, uh, report, they probably only have maybe a few seconds to look at these things and decide yay or nay.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So.
1: So make it really concise. get right to the point. Here's the rules violation. and then close with uh, with as much evidence as, as you possibly can. So you know uh, hopefully your listeners have been have been taking your advice in your podcast and they' have been uh, they've brand registered and they have uh, done everything they can to, to differentiate their product from everybody else out there. And so that they can describe, even without doing a test buy, they can describe. Well, uh, I'm the only source of this of this product, uh, and and so I, I know uh, without any doubt that uh, that whatever the rogue seller has got is not my product and does not match my listing. Mm. So if they've if they've taken those steps, Scott, uh, they've they put themselves already in in a position where they can describe in two or three sentences in the additional comments field uh, exactly uh, how they know for certain that that the product that the other seller has does not match the listing.
0: Okay. Now take us a little bit through that process though. I mean, okay, we fill out the form and everything, but do we fill the form out before we actually do the test buy?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, although if if it's if, if if you can do it, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead and do the test buy uh, early on. Uh, I mean, you know, for for some products where it's a couple hundred bucks, you're thinking, yeah. oh, geez, you know, that's a lot of money to do a test buy. Mm-hmm. But if it's five, ten, twenty dollars or something, go ahead and do the test buy, and get the report in. Okay. Because nine times out of ten, uh, seller performance is going to shoot you back an email and say, "Well, we require a test buy, and we're going to need to to know." uh what the purchase ID number was and, and all that. So okay. uh
0: uh
1: they're going to put you on that on that test buy treadmill anyway. Now you know everybody hates uh making test buys, especially from China. It's, it's gonna take often it's gonna take weeks uh for the product to come. And in the meantime, you're, you're losing a lot of sales. Mm, so, mm-hmm. here's, so here's what I do. When, when, when I get back the, the email saying, uh, oh, we're, we're requiring you to, to use the test buy, um, don't accept that as gospel. Uh, I, I usually respond to that and I say, we've made a test buy and if, if I have an a, a, a ID number, I even include that. And then I request that the rogue seller be removed from the ASIN. While we're waiting for the test
0: buy mm, to arrive, I like that.
1: Yeah, and I just explained, Look, this is this is. It says it's going to be shipping from China. This could take four to six weeks. In the meantime, uh, we're suffering damages, and uh, and I'm going to win this uh, this uh, this report anyway. So, uh, how about uh, suspending uh, or removing that uh, seller from the ASIN? Uh, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but it always helps to ask.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do like that because again, you're, you're, you're speaking in that tone, but you're also, uh, letting them know that you're pretty confident that, you know, they will be removed, but you're also saying like, you know, to be fair here, you know, why don't you just pause their, their listing because, uh, or not their listing, but their, uh, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're listing cause they're hopping on yours, but it's technically they're, um, you know, they're trying to fulfill it with their product. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, by by saying that there could be a chance that they could say, okay, you know what, that's fair. We'll go ahead and we'll pause them until we, you know, we we, you know, figure out if this is this is the case or not. And if it is the case, then then good. Then we keep them suspended. If it's not the case, then they're going to release them and let them keep selling on there. Um, And then that would be another, you know, you'd have to then keep battling it somehow. But if that was the case, then, you know, you'd have to deal with, uh, again, trying to show that your product is different. So let's talk a little bit about that, about differentiation on a product as far as like, you know, what do you feel, uh, you know, is, is you know, something like if someone has a product and it's pretty generic, but yet they have, you know, let's just say they have custom branding on it of their logo. And then they also have maybe uh, some type of um, booklet that comes with it. And then let's say that, let's just say two, there's two scenarios here. Let's say that the rogue seller uh, actually doesn't include the logo and doesn't include the uh, the insert or the booklet that comes with it. So that would be a clear case that it's not the same, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Correct.
0: Okay. Now, what if they go ahead and they just, they copy the everything. They even copy your logo on there. They copy the booklet. They do everything exactly the same. Now it's like you have a pair of Oakley sunglasses that were made by Oakley and you have a pair that are made by a counterfeit that you can buy on the beach.
1: Yeah. So that's a that's a true counterfeit situation where they're they're copying everything, your logo, your color scheme, your all of that. So that's a true counterfeit uh, situation. I mean, so I advise my clients, you know, check your supply line uh, because. uh, you you want to make sure that there isn't a leak somewhere uh, where your own supplier or uh, or factory or some distributor along the way is uh, is not uh, selling your product, uh, where they are in fact uh, you know uh, uh, getting a, a true version of, of your product because technically they're not in violation of any Amazon rules if mm. they have been able to source your product. Uh, from your factory or from, or from your supplier. So, um, so you're going to need to double back and, and, and check on that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I think, but, I mean, as far as, like you said, I mean, you know, we can do our best to make sure that that doesn't happen, but I do think if you, if you brand it with your, your logo, if you also do then in turn, create something along with it, whether that's a booklet, whether that—I mean—a printed booklet. I'm not talking an ebook. I'm talking like a booklet. I'm talking like Perfect. maybe a certain bag that comes with it. Um, you know, whatever to make that product unique to you and your and your brand. Uh, the other thing, and I mean, tell me if you think this is a good idea or not. But um, you know, I also think of bundling is another option because it makes it harder for someone to come in and find those two together and merge them into one package.
1: Yeah. Bundling is a great idea, Scott. Uh, not only from, uh, from the aspects of, of a seller and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, generating sales and, and having your own ASIN to go off of, but from, from my standpoint as a lawyer, defending that ASIN from other sellers who might come, come on it, uh, bundling is great. And anything that you can do within the detail page itself that, um, that, uh, that tells buyers that, uh, it ships from the U S as opposed to China, uh, or that we, you know, we've got a one year warranty and, and look out mm-hmm. uh, if you buy from someone else, um, it may not be a genuine product. Uh, they may not honor the warranty and, and those things.
0: So maybe even putting in there like I like that, too, that what you're saying there, Ted, is even like putting in like even a bullet or a description somewhere in there is saying like, you know, um, you know, we are the original, uh, you know, it's uh, whatever manufacturer of, you know, our, you know, exclusive, you know, whatever, you know, whatever style it is or whatever. And then from there saying like, like um, you know, be aware of, you know, counterfeit and, uh, you know, whatever. So you're almost like bringing it to their attention that, you know, make sure that you're buying the original. And this one here is the original.
1: Definitely. Put, put that right on the detail page, uh, put it in the product description, you know, where it's new yep. or used yep. uh, and, and tell them and, and be very specific to, to look out for something that ships from China or, or wherever uh, and that, uh, and that you're going to honor the warranty and, uh, and to look out for, for counterfeits.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, even though we're buying it from China, we're shipping it from the U S in the most cases. Now, if you're not shipping it from the U S don't do that, (laughs) you know, but I mean, most of us are shipping. Well, not, I, I can't say all of us, but myself personally, I mean, it's shipped here. Uh, basically to my home office, which, you know, let's call it my warehouse. And then from there, it's, it's be, it's being packaged to be delivered to Amazon. So it is being shipped from, you know, from my location to Amazon. So it is being shipped within the U S. Um, uh, but yeah. some people are directly getting shipped from China to there. So you have to be careful on how you word and how you phrase that. Um, you know, because you don't want to obviously be saying something that's false. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure, because then you also need to, you know, let people know that, you know, if it's shipping from China, you know, it could be four to six weeks before you're gonna you're gonna receive it, and you know, if it's coming from China, you are uh, most likely not going to get the warranty that we offer for our brand. Right. Yeah. It complicates
1: returns and and everything else. So uh, yeah. Yeah. One one more reason to use FBA also.
0: Yeah. No. I I love that. That's uh, that's really good. Now, how does that work exactly? If if they're if they're hijacking you and you're fulfilling by Amazon, are they going to come on then and fulfill it by merchant? Yeah. OK, so because of that, and I, I kind of knew that. But now that I'm thinking this back, I'm like, OK, so that almost if they hijack your listing, it takes it takes it out of FBA and and converts it over to an FBM on the, on the main page now.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So see, that's even that's even worse for for your listing now, because, you know, now when people see it, you know, they don't maybe not know that, but it, it is going to when they go to see as far as like how long the shipping is going to take, because once they go through that process, they're, they're going to have to see that it's being shipped from there and it's going to take up to X amount of weeks.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Although, you know, I'll tell you, Scott, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of, of these uh, rogue sellers uh, starting to set up shop, uh, especially here in, in Southern California, since a lot of the goods are going to be coming in through uh, through L.A. Anyhow, sure. Uh, and and they just you know they they set up uh, their their warehouse uh, in their apartment or, or a little storefront somewhere. Sure. And they've got a couple of kids uh, that are just uh, doing their fulfillment, uh, but then they can say, "Hey, it ships from California."
0: Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so they're getting they're getting wise to this, uh, and uh, and starting to use uh, points within the U.S. Uh, so that they can uh, so they don't have to ship directly from from China.
0: Okay. Okay. And now, would you say that it helps to be brand registered? Oh, clearly. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And, and it also helps to, to have a, a registered trademark with the USBTO uh, and, and to copyright your photos. Now, those are all things that are, that are expenses, especially for a new seller. You're probably not going to incur the expense. Uh, if you've only got a few listings, um, you're not going to incur the expense of, of trademarking your brand. But uh, as your listeners um, progress and become more successful, that's definitely something they want to do is is go ahead and register their trademark. Uh, uh, it, it does not cost that much. Uh, usually it's a, a few hundred dollars at most, maybe a thousand dollars to, to get that done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have a lot of listings, um, and you're using your own photos, you know, go ahead and register the copyright to your photos as well. I mean, the Fee is only fifty-five dollars a crack, and you can register a whole batch of photos at the same time. Okay, okay. So, so uh, those are all things that are that are helpful, uh, especially if you're in communication with seller performance and they're asking you for proof about things. Uh, as a lawyer, being able to to show them that my client is brand registered on Amazon, they've registered their trademark. Uh, and here's the number. And, uh, and not only that, but I've got certificates of registration for the copyrights. Boom, I get results.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Now, the more paper trail, I guess, that we can give them, uh, the, the easier it would be for them to make that decision. Uh, yes. by, by clearly doing that. Now I know myself personally, I've done a few trademarks and, you know, some take longer than others. You know, how does that work when you do have a trademark or you're going after a trademark? Um, you know, does it kind of go by the date you file it or is it really when the, the date that it's been fully like finalized?
1: Yeah. For a trademark, it's uh it's the date that it's a, that has it, it has been approved it's actually okay. registered. Okay. So it does, it does, it is a process. Um, yeah. And it it typically takes, uh, you know, a number of months. Yeah, it, <laughs> and, it definitely does. Yeah, six months.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I've seen it take for myself between six and eight months. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that is a process. But brand registry, on the other hand, uh, that literally took me, I don't know, less than 48 hours. Uh, you know, yeah. so it's a matter of you just applying for it. Um, and myself personally, it was just, you know, having to, uh, you know, show the UPC codes that you have, uh, owned and then also that you have a website and that the website is branded and all of that stuff. And, uh, and that was really, that was really it. There wasn't much yeah. else with that and there was no cost to you to do that. But yeah, I would say definitely I would recommend anyone, even just starting out, uh, with a brand, to, uh, to go ahead and and do that. Um, that's another question that some people had as far as like, and you know, we don't have to get too deep in the weeds here with this, but like, you know, having like a trademark, let's say, right? Like if you have, if you have that one trademark and then you roll out, you know, five different products underneath that brand, you don't have to brand each or have to trademark each product. It's just the brand that you're trademarking. Correct. That's correct. Okay. So you can have like an umbrella in a sense of that trademark as long as that brand is that trademark. If you do another brand, like let's say you do one in the kitchen space and then you do one in the pet space and, and they're two different trademarks or two different brands, you're going to need to trademark both of them. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're on you're on the right track, Scott. Okay, good, um,
0: good. Yeah, I just want to clarify because some people think that for every single individual product, even though it's underneath the same brand, that they would want to trademark that. And I think that would be more on a patent thing if you had a, each product was unique to itself and you would want to patent each one of those designs or uh, you know product styles.
1: Yeah, I mean, chances are that your that your listeners are not going to be uh, really involved in, in patent law. It's uh, it's a lot more trademark uh, and brand protection okay. uh, that they're looking at. But but yeah, clearly, you know, for each for each product, you don't need to, to trademark each product. You're when, when we talk about trademark, we're just talking about um, sort of the the business name and logo that that you're. Uh, doing business under sure so you can have a lot of different products under that uh, uh umbrella under that that mark that brand name yeah and all it does is it, it just differentiates you in the marketplace from from everybody else that's all sure sure
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. This is uh, this has been very, very helpful, Ted. I appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, some of the ins and the outs of what you've actually been through, and uh, in I mean, seeing it firsthand, working with Amazon, and I mean, so would you say though that your results have been pretty good uh, as far as you know dealing with these hijackers?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I only get involved in the worst cases uh you know usually my clients come to me and uh they've already done everything that they possibly can to try to get rid of these sellers okay and they're frustrated because uh they've seen their their listing that they were making 10 20 thirty thousand a month off of uh, all of a sudden sales are down to zero mm. And, uh, and it's because of this Chinese seller. And uh, and so they're, you know, four, six, eight weeks into the process and they've gotten nowhere. And so they come to me and they're, you know, they want a lifeline. Sure. So, you know, um, and I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I, I have about 90 percent success. Wow. In, in getting rid of, of the rogue sellers. Uh, the worst ones, though, it does take me. Four to six weeks. Sure, um, that's that's an unusual case, but but sometimes in the very worst cases with a really sophisticated rogue seller, mm. it takes that long. Uh, but but usually it takes um, anywhere from five to ten days. Uh, we're able to get them off of, of my clients' listings.
0: Oh, that's impressive. That's very yeah. very impressive. You know you know what this kind of reminds me of. It reminds me of in the real estate world of uh, doing an eviction. And I know myself personally because I had some rental property and I had to do an eviction. And I learned the process very quickly, but I learned it also that it, it, it definitely benefits um, the actual renter. And you don't really even have rights to your own property um, until you can have it finalized by the sheriff. And, uh, you know, you can definitely find some professional renters. And in this case, you can find some professional hijackers. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me very, same, very similar.
1: Same technique, Scott. Like, I've seen some of these uh, – a rogue seller I, I dealt with uh, two weeks ago. This guy was jumping – he was jumping on and off the listing. So he would sell maybe three hours during prime time uh, during, during the day here in, in the States. And then he'd be off the listing. And so I'd get an email back from Amazon saying, well, he's off the listing." And I'd have to tell him, well, of course he's off the listing, but because I told you, he only stays on for three or four hours, and, and he skips every other day, uh, but he's still uh, siphoning off yeah, from, yeah. Uh, sales from, from this listing, and uh, you'd think they would be able to see that, but… And I'm sure they do, but uh, Mm. they pretend like they
0: they can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Definitely like the uh, real estate world. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's always going to be professional uh, scammers out there and we just got to figure out a way to protect ourselves. So I think that we've definitely uh, helped uh, the listeners here and I appreciate it. Is there any last parting words of advice and maybe you can go ahead and tell people how to get a hold of you if they're interested in uh in talking with you further
1: well you know i like your motto scott take action uh if you see that somebody is taking over your listing and uh and they're not uh they're not selling your product right they're uh they're a rogue seller take action against them and uh, there's a lot that uh, a seller can do on their own that uh, usually is going to be effective if they do it in the right way. Uh, if you've got a rogue seller that uh, that you just can't blast out of there and you need help, uh, then you need an attorney like me or somebody like me who's a professional uh, to deal with it. Uh, happy to to talk to you. Uh, and uh, my website is uh, tedlawfirm.com. Uh, Or you can always give me a call at 626-993-7000. I'll pick up the phone. Uh, We'll talk about the problem and solutions and take it from there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'll also leave the link to your uh, website on the show notes to this episode and, uh, and the number there as well. And, uh, yeah, if anybody contacts me in the future, um, I'll definitely be uh, pointing them to you, Ted, because, uh, I, I do get a lot of emails uh, about this and I'll usually either point them to, uh, either a post that I've written or one that's been written somewhere that I think it's been useful. Um, uh, but now I think this episode will be the one I'm going to point them to. So, uh, definitely, uh, we'll be, putting your information in there. And I think it's important for people to understand too, that if you contact an attorney, they might not even understand what this is. The difference with Ted is Ted's actually done it. <laughs> so I like it that you've actually been through this process and now um, you can actually help, uh, you know, help some, uh, some of the sellers out that are, that are battling this. Cause I know how frustrating it can be. And I know in knock on wood, I've had pretty good luck with this, but um, if it ever does happen, I know who I'm going to be calling. So I, uh, I appreciate you, Ted, for coming on, and uh, yeah, I'll definitely link everything up to you, and uh, good luck, and um, if anything uh, anything else I'm sure that you learn of, you'll uh, you'll keep us informed, right? Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. Hey, no problem. Thanks a lot, Ted. It's been a pleasure. Okay, so what do you say? Awesome interview, right? I mean, this was awesome to be able to listen to an attorney who's done this not just once, But many times, and has helped a lot of Amazon sellers, especially when they thought that they were just, you know, they were just done. They were gonna have to, you know, just forget about it and just stop fighting with Amazon uh, about getting this particular seller off of their listing. So, really, really awesome that I was able to have him on and do this interview. And I wanna thank Ted again. Really, really appreciate it. And I do feel like now, Us, I say us, meaning the TAS community, we have an advantage because now I can reach people like Ted, and now I feel like I could... Literally, email Ted and get an answer or an update on something that's changed, and now we can bring that back to our community. So It's just really, really awesome to be able to share this with you, and I'm really, really excited, and I hope that you've gotten value from this episode. Now, one little last reminder here before we head off, depending on when you came in on this episode, maybe you skipped the intro and you went right into uh, the interview. I wanted to remind you, if you're at all interested at attending a live event, this is going to be a live event, very, very small, under 30 people, and uh, we're going to be doing a full day, one day of hot seat sessions, basically breaking through obstacles that you may have, and we're going to do this in the group, and not just me, not just Chris Schaefer, but the entire, you know, the entire group, the entire set of attendees will be able to also give feedback, and advice, so I'm really, really excited about this, and I can't wait to actually uh, to have it, so if you're interested in attending this live event, which will be May 1st, 2016, and this will be in Denver, Colorado, go over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash live, and you can get all the details to that special, very intimate event that I'm really, really excited about. So yeah, check that out. Okay. So that is going to wrap this up officially now. And I have to let you know one more time. Remember, I'm here for you and I believe in you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action, have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you in the next episode.